Okay, so we're here to talk about praying on purpose. And um, I, I had to come up with like a little snippet of what I was talking about before I knew what I was talking about. <laughs> so I was asking the Lord what, you know, what we needed to hear from him. And really for myself, because I needed to hear it too, um, it was just a lot of um, let's, let's talk about intentional praying. And being all in. And the verse that he had given me was um, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And so I kind of was going off that rabbit trail for a while. But really, it's just about being all in um, while we pray. So I, I was just thinking, and I don't know how much time I'll actually have to go through all of these. But why pray? What, what are some reasons that we pray? Why do we pray? Anybody? For our kids. For our kids, okay. Like what specifically? Safety, faith. Okay, for, things for our kids, okay. Health. For health, okay. Guidance, direction, wisdom. Yeah, okay, all, all good stuff. Um, some of the things that I found when I was looking about why we pray. Why pray? Why say prayers? Well, it was the example of Jesus, right? He helps us unload our burdens, strengthens our hearts, um, changes our perspective, gives us wisdom, helps us gain understanding, gives us the things that we need um, through our prayers. And when I was looking at the list and thinking about prayer, I thought, hmm, we pray an awful lot to procure things. Not necessarily thing things, but if we look at it, we're asking for things. Understanding, new perspective, direction, relationship, even proof of obedience. God's Word calls us to pray, that's why we pray. These are all good things, um, right things to pray for. Um, and then that's on a good day, on a bad day, then we really are praying for our wants and our needs and... Our desires and I was thinking is that the purpose of prayer is the purpose of prayer to procure things and no it's not studies and surveys show um, that prayer is indeed a human instinct many different religions pray prayer is not um, a spiritual gift just for Christian believers you know even in surveys they'll ask people about prayer and there's even atheists that say that they pray so Clearly, anybody can pray. Um, but when we look at Christian prayer, prayer is its not about us, really. Prayer is about the Almighty God and His revelation. Um, there are these awesome fringe benefits that come from praying, but I am not the center and the purpose of prayer. Timothy Keller um, wrote a book on prayer a couple of years ago. And he describes prayer like this. He says that it's a continuation of a conversation that God started through his word and his grace and which eventually becomes a full encounter with him. And thinking about that thought um, took me into Romans. And Romans 8, this is the message um, version, so the, the wording... It hit me in a nice way. God knew what he was doing from the beginning. 
He decided from the outset to shape the lives of those who love him along the same lines as the life of the Son. The Son stands first in the line of humanity he restored. We see the original and intended shape of our lives there in him. After God made that decision of what his children should be like, he followed it up by calling people by name. After he called them by name, he set them on a solid basis with himself. And then, after getting them established, he stayed with them to the end, gloriously completing what he had begun. And so when I think about the thoughts that Keller's definition put in my mind and this verse, really I think the purpose of prayer is for the revelation of Jesus Christ and then for our hearts to be assured that God is committed to make us more like him. And I thought if that's the purpose of prayer, to have Christ revealed in us and to have that assurance that God is doing that work, then shouldn't we be desperate to pray? And if the purpose of prayer is to know him, then we should be praying on purpose. Now, I'm not here to share with you gals today because I have prayer all figured out and I want to tell you about this, you know, amazingly vibrant prayer life that I have because right now I would say that it's neither amazing nor vibrant. Um, I wouldn't say that my heart is desperate for this assurance every day. But I can say this. I'm desperate to become desperate for prayer. We struggle to pray, don't we? We fight fatigue. We fight for focus. Uh, sin and Satan kind of get in the way of our efforts. Unbelief. Anxiety. Um, heartache, skepticism, this all gets in the way of our praying. And then there's laziness or just a plain lack of desire to pray. For these reasons and more, we might find ourselves in a state of prayerlessness. It's a battle to pray on purpose. It doesn't seem like it should be, but it is. And if your heart desires to start praying purposely, so that you would become more like Jesus and realize more deeply God's intent to do that work in you, then I think that there's three essentials that we have to take into our prayer closets with us. And we're going to review these. <clears throat> I guess I have that on there too. A spirit of humility, a listening heart, and intention. And when I say intention, I'm saying think like a marriage commitment. So praying on purpose requires that we approach God with the right attitude, and that attitude is one of humility. Um, one way to express humility in your prayer time is by inviting God's presence. You know, when we sit down to pray, we, we ought to be asking the Lord to come, come into our prayer time. And when we invite him into our prayer time, then we're purposefully making prayer about him. We're turning our own thoughts off of us. It's kind of like Kelly was talking about with the reading of the word, right? If you're reading the word, you're not thinking about everybody else and yourself. You're thinking about God because that's where you're at. And, you know, if I was thinking about it. If you invite a guest over, um, you know, you don't invite somebody over so you can just tell them all about yourself, right? You're, you're, you want to spend time with them. It's conversation. One way... <clears throat> um, one way I was thinking about this, and I don't know, after Kelly told her story about her grandma, when I was thinking about my story, I'm like, this is not very nice. 
she loves her grandma better than I love my grandma. Um, but I was thinking how prayer is sometimes like a trip to my grandma's house. You know, I, I love my grandma. I really, really love my grandma. I love to spend time with my grandma. But I know that it's a chunk of my time to be with her. I know she's probably going to ask me to do some things I'd rather not do, but I, I need to do for her. And so sometimes I visit her more because I ought to or because she expects that I'm going to come visit her and not because I'm just like super excited to go on over to grandma's house. And it's just, you know, life's crazy and that's just kind of how it is. And I think sometimes it's hard for us to cultivate a heart that wants to spend time with the Lord because we love him. And this crazy, crazy society we live in where we're constantly going, going, it's hard to do it because we want to. A lot of times we do it because we ought to. And that reason might be, I think, because our view of God is too small. I have a little excerpt that I wanted to read. Hopefully I'm not going to run out of time by doing this. But um, John Eldridge has a relatively new book. I think it came out this year on prayer called Moving Mountains. And he's talking about this um, idea of thinking about the largeness of God when you go to pray. And he says, think of all the things you love in the world. And then remind yourself that the God you're praying to is the one who made them all. It helps me to hold and touch and feel something in the natural world, a leaf, a stone. I love placing my palm on the surface of flowing water and reminding myself, God did this. He is immensely powerful, creative, generous, and intimate. You are talking to an immensely powerful, creative, generous, and intimate person when you talk to God. And then he goes on to describe other wonders that give him pause, and then he starts to talk about the sun, and he talks about how sun lightens his mood when he's sad, and how it causes things to grow, and um, warms the skin, and he says, I'm trying to remind myself just who this person is that I'm praying to. God gave us the sun. This ought to answer any doubts about his power and goodness. All life on this planet derives its life from the sun, that celestial nuclear device with a surface temperature of 5,500 degrees Celsius. Our mothers told us never to look directly at it, but when you sneak a peek, it appears to be the diameter of a pencil eraser. Yet more than a million Earths could fit inside the sun. Inconceivable amounts of energy are generated at its core as hydrogen converts to helium by nuclear fusion. One solar flare releases more energy than 10 million volcanoes. This is helping me realize, he says, that God is powerful enough for whatever need I am praying over. Now get this, he says, there are roughly 100 billion stars of all sizes in a galaxy. And there's 100 billion galaxies in the universe, which means that there are approximately 400 billion billion suns like ours that God has made. And if you begin counting to that number today, you wouldn't finish that task in your lifetime. Meanwhile, God is providing all the energy for those suns at every moment. J.B. Phillips nailed the predicament of too many Christians. Your God is too small. Who do you have in mind when you pray? The God of 400 billion billion sons. And as you pray, 
turn your gaze in God's direction. Think about something that reminds you of who he is, like Eldridge is just describing in the book here. Remember who sits on heaven's throne. When you approach the Lord in prayer, are you looking to him as that all-powerful creator and sustainer of the universe? Do you think about the Lord and praise him for his sovereignty, his holiness, his majesty? Is there a real sense of awe and wonder? Do we praise him more still thinking about his grace and mercy and the incalculable cost that was paid for our salvation? My understanding of who God is is minuscule. But when I keep praising him, I'm aware that one day I'll know him in full. And what I see now only in part um, will be blown up and then I can praise him perfectly. If you've ever been taught anything about prayer, you've likely learned that worship and adoration um, is a place where one ought to start. It's kind of, um, you think of that ACTS acronym, it's the A, adoration and, and ACTS. It's the hallowed be thy name that comes right after addressing our Father. The more we lift up the Lord and his character and his attributes and his works, his rule, his sovereign hand, then the less we'll think about ourselves. Worship is the best way to begin a time of prayer and for maintaining humility in our prayer because Quite frankly, praise and adoration should take the biggest chunk of our prayer time. You can play worship music during your prayer time if that helps you elevate your heart to where the Lord is. Read psalms of praise. Um, worship the Lord for his attributes. You know, everybody in your women's Bible study folder was given a list of God's attributes um, with scripture references on it for the sole purpose of being able to refer to that in prayer. You can Google and get yourself a grand list there, too. When we humbly focus on worshiping the Lord and lifting him up, our own egos and circumstances um, fade, and then there's a shift in the spiritual realm where we're purposefully elevating the Lord in our hearts, and our spirits are turning toward him and not so much ourselves. Which, when we do that brings us to um, the next thing we need to bring into our prayer closet, which is a listening heart. A listening heart has to be willing to listen. You know, we shouldn't be doing all of the talking because God is our invited guest, right? He doesn't want to hear a speech. That's not what we're doing. He wants to have a conversation with us. And so that means we need to listen to what he might be saying so that we can answer him. How do we know what he's saying? Now, sometimes I think we wish we had, you know, Old Testament prophet powers where uh, we had actual conversations with God or, um, you know, the voice was audible or an angel shows up so you actually have someone that you can talk to. Um, but that's not what we've got because we actually have something better than the Old Testament prophets had because we have the Holy Spirit. And he gives us a clear expression of God. You know, we don't have to wait for somebody to show up and have a conversation with us. Eldridge addresses um, having conversational intimacy with God in his book, and he has the reader consider Ananias' prayer time in Acts 9, 
um, at the time of Saul's conversion. And if you have your Bible handy and you want to look, that's fine. Otherwise, I'm going to read parts of this here if I can find where I put it. Okay, Acts 9, it's after Saul's conversion. Saul is off in Damascus waiting for, um, waiting for the Lord to do what he's going to do because God told him to go there. So three days, he's blind, wouldn't eat or drink anything. He's waiting. And then it's like, um, scene change over here in Damascus was a disciple named Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, which is a prayer, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. Then the Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he's seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the, chiefs, from the chief priests to arrest all who call on his name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, the man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer in my name. Then Ananias went to the house and he entered it. So when you listen to this, this is a prayer. I think a lot of times when we go from the Gospels into Acts, we forget that Jesus isn't there anymore. He has ascended. He's gone. This was not a conversation he was having with Jesus, the person on the earth. This was a prayer. And this was a conversation that was happening between Ananias and the Lord. In John 10, Jesus says four times that my sheep hear my voice. So we are meant to hear the Lord's voice. I think um, we get a little weirded out as a culture when people say that they've heard from God, right? We get skeptical. You know, I say we just need to get over that. Hearing from the Lord takes practice. It takes discernment. But if you are a follower of Jesus, you have heard his voice. And no thought that you have as you pray is by accident. You've prepared for prayer. You've invited the Lord into the conversation. You've spent time praising him. Um, you've come before him and you're ready to hear. So when you start to sense a conversation that's taking place in your heart, consider what's being said. Ask yourself, is this thought that I'm having or this feeling that I'm having, is this driven by sin or is this driven by the Holy Spirit? If you have an intuition, an impression, a word that comes to mind, a thought, a feeling um, that seems to be of God to you, then trust the Holy Spirit. He will make it clear. In John 14, Jesus promises his disciples the Holy Spirit, the one that would come after him, the one that was greater than having Jesus there in the flesh, and he would counsel, advocate, teach, remind, comfort, bring peace, bring power, and bring God's glory in. We shouldn't pray like the Holy Spirit is not doing all of that for us. 
In Romans 8.26, it says the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses, which includes our struggle to hear God correctly. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. So the Holy Spirit is going to guide our hearts, our thoughts, and our prayers. We have to trust the Holy Spirit and ask him to confirm what we're hearing. I know for me, I found that God always confirms what I'm hearing in my heart. You know, he doesn't just like say it once and then one and done and I'm just supposed to trust that that's him. For me, I often need a confirmation, especially if it's something super important. But um, usually, if I think I've heard him say something, that is something that's directly that I have to either change in my life or do um, or, or share He'll, he'll confirm it either in another place in his word or a sermon, a song, a show on the radio, um, a dream, words or prayers from a friend. Um, sometimes he speaks loudly to confirm something, but most of the time it's kind of like with Elijah. It's that still small voice. and I have to pay attention. Um, with important matters especially, I'll talk with a friend about what I think I'm hearing from the Lord and ask them to pray with me and alongside me in that so they can help me have confirmation as well. Sometimes he has to repeat himself a few times or several times um, before I hear or I'm determining to trust him. But, um, you know, we're all learning to trust him more every day. And I was thinking, why is it in our society, that we so readily receive the lies of the enemy in our culture, but not the truth-telling voice of God. Something to think about. Okay, and then um, lastly, regarding a listening heart, we need to engage in conversation. We want to engage the Lord in conversation, much like Ananias was um, having a little back and forth there. When you start your prayer time, Ask God to set the agenda of your prayer time. Ask him what to pray about. What do you want me to pray about, Lord? Pray along what he's currently doing. If you've been paying attention to somewhere where he's been working in your own life or something that you've observed in somebody else's or something that you think is happening at your church that you think you ought to be praying about, start asking him about that. It's kind of, um, again, like Kelly was referring to, the critical thinking. Have some critical thinking while you're praying. Ask the Lord some questions. If you feel led to pray healing for a friend, well, pray for that. But on top of that, ask the Lord, what else can I be doing to minister to my friend right now? Is there something I can be doing or saying that would be ministering to them? Same with a relationship. If you're having a problem with a relationship, you know, ask the Lord, can you show me my part in this, Lord? And can you show me scripture, Lord? Lead me to some scripture that will help me come to a place of restoration in this relationship. Let him know if you're, you know, struggling in some way or if you see him doing a work in you. Acknowledge that you see him doing that. Tell him you're sorry if you're sorry for something that you've done. And listen for him to say that he forgives you. We should come to the Lord asking. Yes, I'm not saying everything should be worship and adoration. We need to bring our request to the Lord. That's scriptural. But don't just ask and walk away from the conversation, right? 
listen for his answer. He, he might have some clarification about your ask or um, have some comments or maybe he just doesn't have an answer for you yet. So we keep coming back asking. It's important to note too, I think, that while I think we can agree that the Bible isn't the only way that God speaks to us, there is nothing that he will say that is contrary to what he said in the Bible. So anytime you sense something from the Lord, you need to confirm that it comes from his word, that it's legitimately his word that's speaking to you. Okay, when you're setting out to pray on purpose and you're not sure what to pray, sometimes we just don't know what to pray. Pray scripture. And again, it's not a speech. Don't read it and pray through it like it's a speech or you're just reading. Let's read it, maybe even with some of that critical thinking, um, like Kelly was talking about, asking God why. Or what does this mean for me? Or how, how can I make this truth stay planted in my own heart? We want to engage the Word of God. Pray actual prayers from Scripture, right? The Scriptures are full of prayers. Prophets prayed. Abraham prayed. I mean, everybody prayed. Praises in the Psalms. Psalms are a whole bunch of prayers for us. God reminds Isaiah in 55.11 that his words don't come back to him empty. So when we pray his word, he's certainly going to speak to us. He might give us a command that requires us to respond like Ananias did, right? We might be like, really, God? Like, really, you want me to do what? And we can engage with him just like Ananias did. Uh, a pivotal shift in a close relationship for me um, occurred when I was praying through the Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 5. And I prayed the verse that talks about praying for your enemies and blessing those who persecute you. And, you know, I'm just praying along through there. And the Lord, like, stopped me. Like, read that line, and he stopped me. And I heard, so-and-so is your enemy. And I was like, what? Like, really? I'm like, no, they're just a relative. <laughs> and the Lord and I went back and forth on this. And he showed me that I had been avoiding praying for that person because they had hurt me. And I wanted to avoid revisiting that hurt because I hadn't forgiven them. And so I didn't pray for them. Now, consciously in my mind, is that what I was doing? No, but through prayer and through the scriptures, he was revealing that to me. And so I had to confess that I didn't want to pray for them, and this is why. And I'm still working through that forgiveness and the restoration. But the good thing is, too, bonus, it says in that scripture that if we do those things, there comes a blessing, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, and blessed will we be if we're praying for our enemies. So um, I can see that while I'm obeying God in this, he's blessing me. I see him blessing the other person that I'm praying for, maybe not necessarily in ways I'm praying for them, but I see a shift happening in their heart and a little bit of restoration in the relationship. I feel like it's happening so far. I keep going when I'm holding on. It's hard work discerning the voice of God, and it takes practice. 
Um, burning bush, talking donkey, likely not going to show up at any point in your day to tell you what you need to hear. But this back and forth, this listening and answering, clarifying, questioning, confirming, using the scriptures is how we practice and develop having deeper conversations with the Lord. And then we experience a more intimate union with Christ, whom we're trying to become more like. And that's praying on purpose. So you might have a heart that can hear well, but you're not sure how to answer God. Another good reason for praying scriptures. Um, what One cool thing that I found when I was in my reading was um, Eugene Peterson has an older book called Answering the Psalms. And he talks about um, learning to pray in the manner of a child learning to talk. Um, kids learn to talk by being spoken to, right? We teach them a word, we say a word, they repeat it back to us, they learn that's how things mean. So when we pray scripture, we're actually learning how to pray. We're learning what words the Lord likes to hear, right? We're learning how our hearts should be feeling when we're saying certain things. And so if you want to blow up your prayer life, then I would suggest start praying the word of God. And I would say to friends, give yourself time and grace. You know, if you've never run before, you can't decide today that you're going to run a marathon next week and think that you're going to even finish the race, right? So it's the same with prayer. If you're not accustomed to spending time, especially in the Word and for the purpose of prayer, then do yourself a favor and don't set your expectations too high. You know, it takes time to work out those spiritual muscles. The Psalms are a good good place to start. I think I mentioned that already. They're very relatable in terms of our humanity um, because they cover the full span of emotions that we might be feeling as we pray. Right? Don't be afraid to express emotions um, when you're praying. You know, God made them. They're expressed in in Scripture. He has emotions. Um, and I think the Psalms indicate that God's desire for us to express what we're feeling to him is important to him. Even Jesus uh, expressed emotion while he prayed, right? Hebrews 5, 7 says, While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. And God heard his prayers because of his deep reverence for God. You know, he prayed with emotion, right? He wasn't in the Garden of Gethsemane praying formal, pious, speech-like prayers, right? He was praying with such anguish that blood vessels were breaking on his face and he was sweating blood. So think about your own prayers. Do you pray with any range of emotion, you know? Have you prayed loudly and with tears, expressing anguish? I have a confession I'm going to make to you girls. <clears throat> I cuss sometimes at the gym, and I cuss sometimes when I pray. Now, I don't swear at God, just like I don't swear at my trainer, but I swear at how hard things are sometimes. I'm just being real with you. I have had some really raw conversations with the Lord in the last year. As I watched one of my very best friends, a fellow mama of five boys, ages 6 to 16, as she suffered an extremely 
painful, heinous, and seemingly inglorious death as she battled cancer and watching what was happening in her family and what is still happening now that she's gone. Um, it just it makes no sense to me at all. And God cares about how I feel about that. He's sovereign. He's faithful. His ways are higher than mine. And I have reminded him that I know that. I've reminded him that I trust him. But he knows that I'm mad. He knows that I'm mad at cancer. And all the other people that are circling me that have been affected by cancer in the last two years. Um, I'm mad at the enemy. I'm mad at people who I'm struggling with through some of these cancer treatment things. And I'm not going to pretend with him how I'm feeling. It, it's of no benefit. Equally, though, there are times of joy with clapping, singing, fist pumping. Sometimes I fist pump when I pray. Um, dancing sometimes if nobody's around. Um, and I know that the Lord receives it all, the full range. Okay, one last thing we need to take into our prayer rooms. I'm hoping I have enough time to get through this because i got some fun stuff at the end. Um, intention. That's the last thing we need to take into our prayer time. Um, intention was kind of a weird word to come up with for this. I, I was going to say effort, but that just didn't seem right. But I started thinking about a marriage and how a father would ask a young man what his intentions are with his daughter. You know, like, might this lead to marriage? How committed are you? And so we have to bring intention into the prayer room. It's manifested by spending time with the Lord. You know, we live in a society where people binge watch. Have you heard of people doing this? Binge watching episode after episode and season after season of programs on Netflix. But we can't find time to pray for 30 minutes a day. You know, social media, the internet, all this takes up a lot of time in our days. And I'm not shaming anybody here, really. Um, we're all in process. We're all in different seasons of figuring this out. Um, and I'm not saying anything that's not true in my own life. Sometimes my priorities are pretty messed up. Praying on purpose means that we're devoting, devoted to spending uh, quality time and quantity time with the Lord. We have to intentionally create that white space for connecting with him in prayer. Now, if you don't have a regular prayer habit, start small. Again, I'm saying give yourself grace. Don't set your expectations too high. Um, it's just about creating a habit, creating a discipline. And we need to do this, even if we don't feel like doing it. You know, schedule a time on your calendar if that helps you. Um, create your own private space that is for prayer. Then you might not be distracted by other things. Um, and I would like to propose that doing your Bible study lesson should not substitute for the type of daily prayer that we're talking about here. You know, prayerfully do your Bible study, yes, but don't use your Bible study as your time of prayer. Um, you know, it's focused on primarily on an intellectual exercise 
it does engage the heart, but then you're going on to the next question. So unless you're taking the time to follow the Lord in prayer, like a rabbit trail, like Kelly was talking about, but a good rabbit trail in prayer, then that's why it's just my opinion. I don't, I don't think we should be using our Bible study as our prayer time. Okay, um, so purpose to pray some amount of time daily. Um, increase that time. Um, many faithful prayers pray in the morning and in the evening. Uh, and there's no lack of resources for creating a method. Um, there's whole books written on it, and there's things you can print off the internet that might give you like a scripture or a topic to help help you in your prayer if you're not sure what you should pray, just to help you create a discipline. Um, here's the thing. When you create a habit of spending time praising, listening to, and answering God, you're going to want to do it more. It's just going to happen. I guarantee it. And if you don't, something's in the way of your prayers. Okay, intention also involves bringing the whole heart to the prayer table. Um, that means you commit to being honest with God. Um, honesty about our emotions like we talked about, and then also introspection. Uh, there's nothing like prayer to reveal you to yourself because it's only God um, before him that we can see who we really are and who he intends for us to be. Um, a sign of a prayerful, prayerful person is actually someone who is very self-examining and willing, willing to do that hard heart work, um, recognizing sinful tendencies, regularly confessing our sin, um, while also pursuing inner healing for any brokenness, heartache, fears that we might have, which the Lord likely exposed to you and is processing with you in your prayer time. It's hard work, but very necessary if our true intent for prayer is sanctification. Um, I actually have a couple of books up here. One, one of them, neither of them are very fun to read, I will tell you that. Um, Signature Sins, it's listed on the back with your references. Um, somebody told me about this book, and they're like, I'm warning you. It's a hard one to get through. And it is. It is. It actually is written by a Wheaton College psych professor, and um, he, yeah, he makes you look at everything. Everything. And just kind of goes through your personality, what your personality might be like, and how it leads you to sin in certain strains of sinning. And then this book, oh man, I read this one like 15 years ago. Uh, Experiencing Revival, Charles Finney, old, old, old preacher, uh, has, an, has this one little section. It's like a chapter. And it has you look at, if you're preparing your heart for revival, you have to look at sin in your life and repent of it. He goes through all these sections like ingratitude, Neglecting your Bible reading, a lack of love for the souls of your fellow men, the sin of hypocrisy, neglect of family and private duties. Go through this whole thing, explains what it is that fits under that subcategory. I mean, I had pages. I went through prayerfully over a period of time, 
pages of stuff that I had to repent of because it made me think about things I don't normally think about. Important part of coming to the prayer table. Um, one thing that I have found very helpful is understanding my personality so that as I pray, um, the Enneagram, which I think I put one of the books on there, the Enneagram is a personality assessment that has a spiritual element to it, and it helps you see what your personality is like, what your sinful strains might be, um, what you're really good at, what kind of other people you get along with, and it really helped me to give myself grace to receive God's forgiveness because I understood I very much have major perfectionist perfectionistic tendencies, which I knew I had, but it helped me to work through that. Okay, real quick, lastly, um, another way to bring intention is to practice prayer outside the box. Not being rigid in our methods of prayer. Um, I, I always hang on to the scripture that says the Lord's thoughts are not my thoughts and his ways are not my ways. So I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit to speak to me in different ways. And I'm going to pay attention wherever I go to discern the voice of God. So some suggestions um, regarding this that I'll just run through quick. I know some of them. I just probably have to go to pick up kids. Um, try reading through the Bible using different translations every year. You know, listen, um, listen to scriptures in different verbiage. The Lord will speak to you in different ways. I like to get um, a chronological Bible. It's a one-year chronological Bible. And I get one in a different translation every year so that I can hear the word a little bit differently. And it just it, that, that helps me tremendously. And listening to the word being read to you. When we started doing the um, Bible book club stuff, I started listening to audio versions of the Bible. I mean... Listen from your computer, listen to an app on your phone, whatever. Sometimes if you hear somebody else reading the word, they might emphasize a word differently than you would if you were reading it yourself, and it might just hit you in a different way, and that could be the Lord speaking to you. Journal your conversations with the Lord. Um, super helpful for me so I can go back and when I'm looking for confirmation for things, if I prayed some things a couple of times. Um, worship music, always a huge thing. Um, I, I like to listen to some music when I start my prayer time just to help get me centered. And I know I'm getting in a bad place for me um, regarding prayerlessness if I stop listening to music. I, I just I know that that's a sign for me that something's not going right in my heart. Um, meditate. Um, on scripture, you know, I'm not talking the own kind of meditation where you're like clearing your mind of everything and waiting for a word. No. Meditation in, in a Christian sort of way is about thinking in the presence of God. Yes, find a word. If the Lord's been speaking a word to you, think about that word. Think about this phrase. Think about this verse of scripture. Those things God can speak to you on. You know, concentrate on it. Memorize it. Spend time questioning and listening. Um, I do the same thing with um, with um, attributes of God and names of God because the names of God in Scripture are usually based on one of his attributes. So I will usually pick a couple every year. Like during the summer, I kind of pray about what do you want me to be looking at in the next year because I have kids, I work on a school calendar schedule. 
So I'll often pray over the summer, and then I'll pick a couple of of words, like mercy. Like, I want to really focus on what God's mercy means in this next year. Um, reference materials, always handy to have on hand when you're praying. If the Lord starts to speak to you about, you know, something about one of his attributes, you can use... Um, uh, a reference Bible or a concordance to help you find other places in Scripture that will expand um, what he's saying to you. Um, the list of the attributes, same thing. Any sort of reference material is handy. And I find, kind of like what Kelly was talking about, I just loved how so many of our things went together. Um, I don't like to use my phone for looking things up. I like to have a hard copy of something because I will do exactly what she said. I'll... I'll start looking for something else or I'll see a link to something else and oh that sounds like a great article I should read that no not good okay and embrace unanswered prayers this is a hard one this is a hard one when you talk about intention embrace unanswered prayers and suffering as an opportunity to become more like Jesus right it almost sounds sick to say something like that right but God does some pretty powerful work in us when we're hurting and we turn our face like flint and stand in his presence. Expand your prayer circles. Um, pray regularly with other people, right? People pray differently. We all pray differently. Everybody sees different facets of the Lord than you see. And when we pray together, we're sharing what we're seeing. And, 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 and that just it builds us up. It helps us hear him. Um, again, with the personality assessments, recognizing your sinful strains, um, I know for me, if my body is active doing something stupid mundane, like, I don't know, nobody polishes silver, but that's what came in my mind. For me, a lot of it is when I'm cleaning my cabinets at home, like washing the outside of the cabinets, putting a little polish on them or whatever. It is a perfect time for me to pray because my body is busy and my mind is free to just pray. So my best times of intercession, I think, come from cleaning house. My friend prayer walks. She talks out loud, prays to God while she's power walking. Um, create a space for prayer. Uh, I think this is important. You need to have a space where you're at and you can, you can pray. I had, um, when my kids were little, there was a toy box in the corner and I used to kneel at the toy box. That was my, my spot. Don't have a toy box anymore. I have a love seat that's a little more comfortable in my living room. Um, and lastly, use your spiritual gifts. I, I am a huge proponent of knowing what your gifts are. You can go to lifeway.com if you want to take a spiritual gifts assessment and have it um, explained to you very well. Um, God has wired you in a way that is not only empowering you to serve him and others, but also to open up your heart to the Spirit's voice. Because when we're using our gifts, we are dependent on him and he's going to talk to you while you're doing that. All right, I'm going to close real quick with 1 Peter 1.8. Um, I'm actually in the intermediate study, and we've been doing 1 Peter. And this verse hit me um, like a ton of bricks, and I've been hanging on to it. Um, it says, you love him even though you have never seen him. And though you do not see him now, you trust him. And you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. And I know for me, I feel like I've been lacking that glorious, inexpressible joy. I want to know what that is. And I kind of feel like 
when periods of inexpressible glorious joy become a normative part of my prayer time again, then I'll know that I'm praying on purpose. Have a great night, gals.